All right, good morning, church family. Kids have a blast learning about Jesus as we do that here. Uh, anyone else having a very eventful week this week? Just me? Everyone else was just really easy, cool, nothing going on, smooth. Anyone else have an eventful week? Yeah, a few? Uh, we had a birthday. I have, I have four kids, so there's six of us. We had a birthday this week. Um, Friday marked 21 years date anniversary. 21 years since my first date with my lovely wife. Um, my, uh, in terms of ups and downs in life, the eventful life, uh, the eventful week included uh, my dad had a heart procedure, went smoothly, but you know, those are always uh, lots of prayer and, and thinking about that. Uh, a couple of our kids were in the Eagle Run here at Faith Christian School, so there was kids' events and activities and things to be at. Uh, had some great meetings this week, meeting with people, encouraging each other, uh, seeking the Lord together, asking how we can serve our church family and, and things and grow in Christ. Uh, and uh, we have a new driver in the house, which is in- exciting and interesting. Uh, so it was quite an eventful week. Lots going on. Uh, and then that eventful week got even more eventful yesterday. I know of at least two families in our church family who moved yesterday, and we just recognized that Matt and Lindsay, it's their first official Sunday as part of our church family, Pastor Matt, uh, that we just recently hired. Uh, they moved to their new home yesterday, right? And it sounds like you had lots of help, and it went really smoothly. And someone from our church family prepared food and was a blessing to them. Uh, and they had, uh, so that was great. And then another, I couldn't help them move because I was helping. Um, There's another family in our church who's in our gospel community group. And several of us from our gospel community group uh, helped this family to move. And so an eventful week uh, was very eventful and got to Saturday. And we went to help. I had the opportunity to help someone move, right? And, and I mean, and I, and I say that, and, I, and you laugh, and I, and I chuckle too, and I say that it was an opportunity. But that is what we do, isn't it? With church family, uh, and with family, and, and, and you're there when you need to be there, and you're there in the ups and downs of life, and, and part of why, as a church family, we want to help make the church smaller, so to speak, by helping you get in uh, groups of people who can really know and be known, one of the reasons we, we encourage you to do that and why so many of you are connected to a gospel community r- group right now uh, are so that you have people to live life with and to help each other with. And so um, I love that we have opportunities in our church family to sacrifice our own preferences for other people, for the sake of others, to sacrifice from how I might have chosen to spend my Saturday <laughs> to... Um, to putting others first, to putting the mission of God first, to, to serving one another and to serving God. Um, so that's, we have lots of opportunities around here like that. And I actually want to highlight one more of those. Uh, a few weeks ago, we started having uh, two worship gatherings each Sunday morning. And uh, we, we now meet in this one at 9 a.m. And we have one at 1045 a.m. And the reason that we did that is we wanted to make more room for all the people that God is bringing through our doors. We want to be a comfortable setting where people can come in and find a seat without having to sit in the front row, even though there's a few that like it, right? Yeah. But not everybody does. <laughs> so, so we wanted to make more room. And so I wanted to point out that um, one of our adult Bible study groups uh, that meets on Sunday mornings caught the vision for what we're trying to do on Sunday morning. They know we're trying to make more room in here. 
they know that even though we've gone to two, we have definitely needed to because our second gathering, 1045, has continued to be very full, even very, somewhat awkwardly full. And so one of our ABF groups, adult Bible study groups, uh, caught the vision of how do we serve each other? How do we serve the mission of our church of reaching more people and making it comfortable in here and making space on Sunday mornings? And so instead of doing their Sunday school uh, gathering at 9 a.m. and coming in here at 1045, they caught the vision, sacrificed their preferences, and served others by switching those hours. And so uh, truth seekers, thank you very much. I think that is awesome. Uh, the truth seekers are in here now worshiping, and they will have their study time uh, during the next hour, and that uh, adds to this group, uh, gives us a group to worship and, and enjoy together, and, uh, and serves our mission in helping free up space for others. So can we thank truth seekers? Yes. Investing in others, supporting the mission that, that God is doing in and through our church family. And, uh, and the other thing I'm so thankful for as I, as I look around to our church family uh, is so many of you have caught the vision of attending one worship gathering and serving during the other. And that has also been a huge help. That is also sacrificing uh, your own time, effort, energy for the sake of others, for the glory of Jesus. And so we're seeing that happen. It takes a lot of people uh, to facilitate our two worship gatherings each Sunday. Uh, a lot of people behind the scenes, ushers and sound techs and video techs and worship team and hospitality team that do our food and our coffee and children's ministry and student ministry. And I could go moving chairs and I could go on and on. It takes a lot of people every Sunday and we are a church family who is worshiping Jesus together and, and choosing to serve others together as well. So thank you, and I appreciate you very much. Uh, speaking of supporting the mission, um, I, uh, the eventful week this week included receiving an email to all of you as well, an email that was addressed to all of you, uh, to for the Faith Church family. And uh, this is from someone who supports the mission who has been a significant part of our church family, who loves you, who cares for us, who wants to see uh, us grow in Jesus. I got this email, and it's addressed, Dear Faith Church Family. And, um, and it's from someone who's significant and, and, and been around our church for a long time and has invested in us and has sacrificed his preferences for others and, and desires the glory of Jesus to be working in and through us. And here is what this email to you says. Dear Faith Church family, you crazy Dallasonians, you poor, thoughtless, silly, unreflecting, senseless Faith Church people, are you really going to act that way? Are you really so idiotic? Yeah. Anybody expect that, what, what the email is going to say? Okay, the email's not real. <laughs> now, now everybody's gonna know, not gonna know, when does Pastor Derek tell the truth and when is he not? <laughs> all the other stuff about our church family and me appreciating you, all true. Okay, that email, not so much. But how does it feel to hear those words directed at us? Uh, curious what we've done to deserve that? And, and from someone who loves and cares for us. Written by someone who's influential and supportive and desiring your best. 
Do those words sting a little? Well, then perhaps we have a glimpse of what it felt like to be the Galatians and receive this letter that we're studying from the Apostle Paul. So we're in a series of messages called This Changes Everything. And uh, we're studying a book in your Bible in your New Testament called Galatians, which is a letter written by a church leader named Paul to a group of Christians, a church uh, or churches in an area called uh, Galatia. And as we've studied this letter, we've got lots of gospel, lots of gospel, and lots of clarifying the gospel. What is the gospel? What is the good news of Jesus? What is the significance of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection? We've got lots of that as we've studied the last few weeks in this letter to the Galatians. And so here we are in chapter 3. Hope you got your Bible out. We love to study along in our Bibles here at Faith Church. So have your Bible on your lap or open up your favorite Bible app. Turn to the book of Galatians. Feel free to use the the table of contents if you need it. You'll find Galatians and we're going to start in chapter 3 at verse 1. And here's, here's why I made up that fake email to us. Because here's how the Apostle Paul starts this part of the letter. He's already been going for a while in this letter. And here's, here's the beginning of chapter 3. Oh, foolish Galatians. Man, Paul's on a roll here. Because if you've been with us for this series, a couple of chapters back, it was, it was I am astonished at you. Then, just a couple of other Uh, Just a few verses back, it was Paul opposing Peter to his face because of the seriousness, because of wanting to preserve the truth of the gospel. And now, we we read that in verse 1, chapter 3, verse 1, O foolish Galatians, if you look ahead to verse 3, he says, Are you so foolish? Or how foolish can you be? So, So Paul's on a roll. He's getting their attention, and he loves the Galatians. He's invested in them. He helped start their church. He's been instrumental, and he wants to help them grow, but he's getting their attention. A question for you. When you think of Jesus, when you try to imagine, or, you know, if you you remember Jesus, or you think of him, or you you, uh, imagine him, or picture him doing something, what, what are some of the, the, the things that you picture Jesus doing? Where is he? What is he doing? Go ahead. Teaching with children. How do we picture him? Healing. Gentle, kind. Where is he? What is he doing? Anything else just come to mind? Pictures of where he is and what he's doing? Praying. All true and good things, Right? And, and we get to, we, luckily, we have books in our Bible that give us lots of detail about the life of Jesus. And, and, and there's lots of things that we could, we could picture about Jesus or we, could, or we could emphasize about who he is and what he does. But let's continue with verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. This is the part Paul chooses to emphasize, that the Galatians should know about Jesus. Before your eyes, Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as what? Crucified. 
John Stott points out that we might remember Christ in many ways, teaching, you guys did this, teaching crowds in the carpenter shop, praying in the garden, walking on water, welcoming kids. The gospel in two words is Christ crucified. The gospel in two words, if we're going to remember Jesus in any way, if we're going to picture him, if we're going to imagine him, if when he comes to our mind, what do we see? The most significant thing, the most important thing, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, remembered by by us in two words, is Christ crucified. Elsewhere in scripture, and these are on the screen, 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote to this other church, we preach Christ crucified. That's the message. And then he wrote elsewhere in that same book, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you. I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The good news is not, the good news of Jesus though, friends, is not just that some guy in history died. That's not what Christ crucified reminds us of. Not just that some guy long ago was crucified and died. The gospel, of course, is the significance of his death, the meaning of his death, and what was accomplished by his death. The good news is that God rescues sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So the gospel in two words is Christ crucified. And so now, as as we've read that first verse of of chapter 3, now the Galatians and us have been reminded of the gospel, of Christ's sacrifice. So, So, but now why is Paul getting after us? Why is he hammering us? Oh, foolish faith church people. Why are you so foolish? Paul is fired up because the Galatians knew the true gospel, and we do too. Yet, the Galatians and us today sometimes allow false teachers, a false gospel, a false message to distract us, to creep in and to draw our attention away from Christ crucified. So, verse 2, Paul asks the Galatians, and because God's word is living and active and relevant to you and I today, this is God asking us as well. Verse 2, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit, the Spirit of God living within you? Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law, by doing stuff, by earning, by matching up, by your own good behavior? Did you receive the Spirit of God by the the law or by hearing and responding with faith? In other words, Paul is asking them, How did you become a follower of Jesus? How did you come to be rescued by Jesus? The Holy Spirit of God comes to live within us. It is proof that we are followers of Jesus. So how did the Spirit come to you? Galatians, faith church members, how did the Spirit come to you? Verse 3, are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected, being completed, continuing to follow God by the flesh, by your own efforts, by your own power? Verse 4, did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do so by works of the law, because you, you obeyed the law, or because you heard 
with faith. Having begun by the Spirit, if you're a follower of Jesus, you were rescued by God's working. You, you began by the power of the Spirit. You began by putting faith in Jesus Christ. So then now are you trying to perfect yourself or complete yourself or become a better Christian or match up to those around you? You started by the Spirit, but now are your efforts your own power and flesh and following rules in order to earn God's love? Faith or works? How were you saved when you first became a Christian? Faith or works? How do you continue to grow in Jesus? Faith or works? And Paul's letter that you have in your hand, his wording, his language, his logic, the whole letter demands what answer? Faith or works? Faith. The Galatians knew good and well that their relationship with God had begun by the Spirit's power when they put their faith in Jesus Christ. They knew that good and well. And we got to be reminded too that we receive the gospel by faith, not by works, by faith alone in Christ alone. Uh, our church family, uh, Faith Church, is part of an association of churches across the country and across the world called the Evangelical Free Church of America. Uh, almost 1,500 churches across the country and ministries all over the world. Uh, our church is, is voluntarily and, and energetically and supportively, <laughs> I don't know if that's a word, part of the EFCA, the Evangelical Free Church of America. And so our statement of faith is the same. The things that we believe about God that you can find on our website or uh, on, some, on the back in the lobby uh, are the same uh, statement of faith of the EFCA. And here's a couple of snippets of it. I want to give us a couple of them. Here's something that we say about um, who, who are followers of Jesus. We believe that the true church, and the church isn't a building or an event, Right? The church is not a place or an event. The church is God's people. The true church comp is comprised of all who have been justified or made right with God by God's grace through faith alone in Christ alone. The true church is comprised of people not who have matched up or been good people or obeyed all the rules or faked everybody else out. It's made up of people who have been rescued by Jesus and put their faith in him. So what is faith? And that's what we're going to have an opportunity in your groups uh, this week to talk about a little bit. What is faith? Is, is faith a blind leap? Is faith one of those uh, trust falls? Okay, you guys got me, right? Is that what faith is? Is it just a trust fall? Is it just kind of a blind leap into I don't know where? No, I don't think so. Is, is faith um, just having high hopes? You know, how do we, I think we misuse the word faith sometimes. I've got faith that the Giants are going to win the World Series again next season. Hey! Hey, don't laugh, Drew. Drew and I believe it, right? I know there's others of you out there. Don't laugh. We won three a, a few years ago. 
what is, what is faith? Is it a blind leap? Is it just kind of high hopes? I got faith that you can help me move tomorrow. Um, or is there more to it? And here's another from our statement of faith. We believe this gives us some insight. And this is what you're going to discuss in your gospel community groups this week, is some of the words in this statement. We believe that God commands everyone, everywhere, to respond in faith by believing the gospel, by turning to him in repentance and receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. And on the back of your bulletin is the list of questions that you're going to discuss in your groups. And, and on this one, I put that I wanted you to specifically discuss repentance and receiving. And I would add to that the word believe or believing. Discuss those kind of three components of, of this statement. What does faith look like? And I think what you see on the screen and what you'll discuss in your groups helps us to understand a little bit more about faith. Faith has a belief component. Believe in the gospel. Believe the good news of Jesus to be true. Believe that he is who he says he is, that he is the son of God. Believe the Bible. Believe God's story of rescuing a people for himself. There is a belief component, but it's not just about head knowledge because look what the statement goes on to say. Believe the gospel. And we express that belief, that faith, by turning to Jesus, to God, in repentance. Repentance is a, is a word that gives a feeling of turning away from something and turning to, in our case, someone. Turning away from our sin and away from our old way of living and away from trying to match up on our own power. And we turn to Jesus for rescue. Repentance means I am sorry for what I've done. I know that I can't do it on my own. I, I turn away from my sin. I ask for forgiveness and I turn to Jesus. Belief, repentance, and then receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. And this isn't about us. This isn't, a, isn't like a work of ours. I'm going to accept him like I've got some kind of power here. God's grace rescues you. You were chosen, not because of what you did, but because of his grace. And all we do is receive God's gift of grace by putting our trust in Jesus Christ, by putting our faith in him, by surrendering our life and the control of our life to him. So Paul continues in verse 6. This is interesting. Paul continues in verse 6, and he uses Abraham to support his argument um, that the gospel, that salvation is received by faith rather than works. Now, now, sometimes we have this misconception. When we think of our, old, our New Testament part of our Bible, the back part of our Bible, we think of grace, and we think of the gospel, and we think of, of the good news of Jesus, and we think of faith. But sometimes we have this misconception that we think of our Old Testament part of our Bible, the, old, the bigger part in the, in the front part, and we think more of, 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 of works and the laws and, and uh, following God in that way. But here's Paul using Abraham, a figure, a, a leader of God's people from Old Testament times. Here's Paul using Abraham as an example of the gospel of grace, the gospel of, putting our, of, of receiving the gospel by putting faith in God, not by our works. 
So the gospel is preached from front to back. The good news of Jesus being rescued by God's grace is preached in our Bibles from front to back. So here's verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God, and that was counted to him as righteousness. So who is Abraham? Abraham, uh, in Genesis 15, before he was Abraham, Abraham, he was actually a man named Abram. And Abram and his wife were childless, and she was barren, and they were both old. And yet God told Abram that his descendants would be too many to count. And in his circumstances, was that easy to believe or hard to believe? It's pretty hard to believe. But Galatians 3.6 is Paul quoting Genesis 15.6 that Abram, or a- who became Abraham, the father of God's people, Abram believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. So the story of Abraham is the gospel in the Old Testament. That it's not by works, that it's by faith. Because our Bibles are telling one big story of God rescuing a people for himself. Now, let's go back to verse 3. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So Paul's frustrated. He doesn't want to see us go from from the Spirit making a difference in our life, from the Spirit rescuing us from sin and death. It's God's work and His grace that have changed us and rescued us and called us from darkness into light. And Paul now doesn't want to see us go from from the Spirit's power and our salvation being by God's working to then go back to following God on our own strength. To, to, even though we've already been rescued by his grace, are we going to now fall back into living for him by our own efforts and our own power and our own matching up and our own meriting? So that's why Paul writes these words. And, and uh, an author and a pastor named Tim Keller writes this. We are all trying to complete ourselves. The passage uses the word perfect. To make ourselves acceptable to God. Even those of you that are already followers of Jesus in this room, isn't this true for you and I sometimes? That we're trying to, we're always trying to complete ourselves to kind of match up, to make ourselves acceptable to God, to other people, and to ourselves. He writes, we trust, in order to do that, we trust our own efforts to attain that through our moral, vocational, and relational achievements. We, we, We offer God these things that we've done in our work, in our relationships, in our own efforts, in our being good. But Paul says that believing the gospel means abandoning that approach. Paul says to believe the good news that Jesus rescues sinners is to abandon that approach, stop observing the law, or trying to attain our goal on our own effort. The gospel saves and sanctifies. And this is something we've tried to highlight a bit in recent days is that we often think of the gospel, the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection as saving us from our sin, as, 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 as making us into followers of Jesus. And that is true, but we don't often think of the gospel as continuing to change us. Sanctifies is a fancy word for becoming like Jesus as we follow Jesus. So the gospel not only saves us 
and is our salvation and rescues us from sin and death, the gospel continues to transform. It's the good news of Jesus. It's us by faith trusting in his work in our life that continues to, to, to change us. And so the gospel does rescue us, but it also should be changing everything. This is why our series is called The Gospel Changes Everything. The gospel should not just be the start of our life with God. The gospel continues our growing in Christ-likeness. We don't just, we don't, um, Faith Church, we don't ever move on from the gospel. We don't leave it behind. We don't think, okay, the gospel, good, I'm saved, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, the gospel, okay, past tense, the gospel doesn't apply to me anymore. No, we don't move on, we don't graduate from the gospel. The gospel saves and helps us grow and live, and it helps us live out our faith in Jesus. It should impact, influence, change everything about our lives. Here's how our statement of faith says it. And as we read this, this is going to be on a couple of different, this is going to take two or three screens, and I want to read a little more from our statement of faith. And as we read this, I want us to think, reflect, do we see these changes in ourself? If God is at work within you, followers of Jesus, if he has not only rescued you from sin and death and saved you, but if he is continuing to transform you, if, if the spirit is continuing to work in us, do we see these changes in us, in ourselves? We believe that God's justifying grace must not be separated from his sanctifying power and purpose, the making us more like Jesus every day. God commands us to love him supremely and love others sacrificially. Do we see these things in ourselves as he transforms us? And that we are to live out our faith with care for one another, compassion toward the poor, and justice for the oppressed. With God's word, the Spirit's power, and fervent prayer in Christ's name, we are to combat the spiritual forces of evil. In obedience to Christ's commission, we are to make disciples among all people. We as disciples, as followers of Jesus, are to help other people become followers of Jesus, always bearing witness to the gospel in word and deed. Have I sometimes left the gospel behind? Kind of graduated, thought I needed to move on from it, thought it didn't apply to me anymore? Or is the gospel, is the, is the work of God by our faith in Jesus continuing to transform and mold us into being more like Jesus and living in those ways? Have you left the gospel behind? Where do you need, friends, where do you need the Spirit's power to help you live out the gospel? What areas of your life do you need God's help to help you grow? We don't, we don't begin by trusting in Christ's sacrifice and then, and then continue by trying hard. We don't outgrow the gospel. We continue growing by it. We don't rely on the law. We don't rely on our own efforts. We rely on what Jesus has already done. We don't rely on our works, but on his work on the cross. Being a Christian is, is not uh, being a consumer. Just waiting on, on what is going to come to us. 
on what others give us, others tell us about following God. Following Jesus is being an active participant in what he's doing in our lives. There's so much more to following Jesus. The gospel changes everything. So let's look at the rest of our, let's, let's uh, close here by um, looking at the rest of our passage this morning. Verse 10. For all who rely on works of the law, for everyone who relies on works of the law is under a curse. For it is written, this is quoting Old Testament verses, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified, no one is made right with God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. Any attempt, any, in other words here, any attempt on our, on, ours, on our part to be justified, to be made right with God, uh, any attempt on our part to be made right with God by following rules, by matching up, by our own efforts, falls short. Any attempt to be justified apart from following Jesus falls short. We need to look to Jesus and his work on the cross. Verse 13 has some great news for us. Christ redeemed us, rescued us from the curse of the law. Our inability to follow the law, our, in, our disobedience resulted in this curse. But Jesus rescues us from the curse. He lifts the burden of the curse. How? That verse continues. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. The cross brings life to God's people, to God's people and the Gentiles, to the Jews and the Gentiles. Believers, followers of Jesus, not only have forgiveness of sin, but the very presence of God living within us, helping us, changing us, working in us. And as we continue to study Galatians, in a couple of more chapters, we're going to have an opportunity to think more deeply about the active role of the Holy Spirit, God himself living within us. And when we get to chapters 5 and 6 in a few weeks, we're going to have an opportunity to think more about the Spirit's work in our lives. But this morning, as we continue our time of worship together, we're going to have an opportunity to reflect on the cross, to consider Jesus and, and what was accomplished at the cross. And we're going to have an opportunity to reflect on that because we're going to share in the Lord's Supper together. So we want to use this time. I want to encourage you. We have a few, we have a few more minutes together. We have 15, 20 more minutes together where we're going to worship through music, where you have an opportunity to lift your prayers, where you have an opportunity to come to the table and share in the Lord's Supper. And I want us to use this time to reflect and to thank God for what he has done for us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Because verse 13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. This is incredible. On the screen in 2 Corinthians is this verse that says, for our sake, God made him to be sin who knew no sin. God made Jesus 
who knew no sin, who was sinless, who lived the perfect life that you and I can't. God made him to be sin, to be a curse for us, to take our sin upon himself so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. In Jesus, our sins have been taken away. Our, the penalty for our sin has been paid. And, and this is the marvelous truth of the gospel. Jesus' righteousness comes to us so that when God looks upon you in Jesus, when you're a follower of Jesus, instead of seeing our, our sin and guilt and shame in Jesus, Jesus has taken that sin and, and, and given us his righteousness so that we can be made right with God. Good news, friends? Let me invite you to stand and I want to pray for us. And we're going to have an opportunity to worship through music and share in the Lord's Supper together. And use this time to reflect on what Jesus has done for us. Let's pray. Father, we need you. Heavenly Father, we come to you. We thank you for weekly opportunities to gather together as church family. God, we commit ourselves to weekly gathering together as your people. Not because our, our weekly attendance is, is earning or obeying law or matching up, but God, we pray, would you help us to commit to being together so that we can come to you, so that we can be reminded of your grace, that we can be reminded of your great love for us as you demonstrated by sending your son to live and die for us. So God, we, we, we lift our, our eyes to you now and as, and as we have an opportunity here in a moment to, to lift our voices and to lift our prayers and to share in this meal, God, may this help us to reflect on you and your love for us through Jesus. God, would you remind us, continue to remind us as we study Galatians that it's not about our own efforts, our own, our own religion, our own checkbox matching up, but God, that you have rescued us by your grace and that all we do is come to you and receive the gift of grace by turning in repentance from our sin and turning to Jesus. Help us to do that, not just once in our lives. Help us to repent and receive every day so that we can live not by our own efforts, but by your power. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.